0: Hey there, financially savvy travelers. If you're like me, you're always on the lookout for a great travel podcast. Well, I wanna tell you about a great show called Out Travel the System from Expedia. Now in its third season, it features tips and tricks for making the most of your travel experience. Join host Nasreen Natasi every other week as she speaks with people like Rashida Jones and Onika the Traveler, among others, to find out how and why they travel. Before you embark on your next trip, listen to Out Travel the System and hear from travel experts and industry insiders, as well as people just like you who have great travel stories to share. This new season is the best yet, so go ahead and follow today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this show. And here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear when you follow Expedia's OutTravel the System
1: research is absolutely critical, both on the flight and the accommodations front. So, Bill, why don't we start with you? What is your number one tip for travelers to make sure that they stay on top of the information and have as seamless of a, you know, booking and travel experience as possible?
2: As you mentioned, it's a time where you have to do more homework to have a successful vacation than ever before. And you have to make sure that uh, you understand what the local regulations are, if there's any restrictions where you're traveling and so on. Uh, and that takes some research. One of the things we've tried to do is to make it a little bit easier by creating a resource center on Expedia. So if you go to Expedia.com slash COVID travel, one word, you'll find a resource center, a travel guide, that collects a lot of the information you need to know. So health, safety, and travel advisories. We can't ourselves keep up with all of those changes, but what we've tried to do is collect all of the links to the right local governmental sites and state sites so that you can find out what it's like, whether you're going to be able to travel to an area whether there's a quarantine rule in place. We tell you about what it's going to be like when you arrive at an airport and what you can expect there.
0: Welcome to The Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money where planning, saving and creativity leads to hoarding travel, building wealth and paying off debt. We are the Financially Savvy Travelers. Sania El-Amin is the founder of Financed, an online personal finance platform that teaches Black women in cushy jobs who are blowing money fast early in their career, any money clarity, confidence, and how to manage their money now so that they can effortlessly build wealth and gain the freedom to be in control of their finances and say yes to more travel and joy. Since paying off $23,000 of student loan debt and consumer debt, Sunia has amassed a net worth of $85,000, and she aims to reach a $1 million net worth within the next 10 years. In this episode, we talk about what inspired Sunia to begin her debt payoff journey and the practical strategies that she has used to help her pay off her debt in 12 months. Now, after listening to this episode with Sania, I want you to also go back into the archives in your favorite podcast player and listen to episode number two, where I share how to start a travel fund and why you need one. Hey, financially savvy travelers. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Card Podcast. Today I have Sania from Finance. And you know what? When I think about Sania, I see so many similarities between our stories. So I knew that I had to have her come on to really talk about her debt payoff journey. She was able to pay off $23,000 of student loan debt and consumer debt in only 12 months. So welcome to the show, Sunia.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Danielle. This is
0: amazing. I'm so excited. All right. So let's just jump into how did you amass this $23,000 of debt? And how long do you think it took you to get to that point?
1: So that's a great question. When I think about my debt journey, it looked like a lot of living beyond my means, right? Granted, I was fresh out of college and I didn't really understand what responsible money management looked like. So really the bulk of my debt came from credit cards, living off of credit cards, just kind of like, not necessarily like living luxury, but I think just not really understanding how to responsibly use credit in a way that wasn't going to put me into a hole. I also went to graduate school, I got a master's of science degree. And during that program, despite the fact that I had a full ride fellowship, I still somehow managed to take out over $16,000 in student loans, right? I feel like at that point in my life, I had such a scarcity mindset around money that I felt that taking on more debt was a way of giving me access to things that I thought that I needed. So for example, when I was in graduate school, feeling like oh my goodness, these student jobs that are on campus are not enough to help me pay for gas, sustain my lifestyle. Let me take out the student loan so that I don't feel anxious about how I'm going to pay my rent every month, et cetera, et cetera. Looking back, I understand now that perhaps some of the things that I did that kind of put me into debt were definitely out of impulse. I think it was out of impulse. It was out of growing up in an environment where debt was totally normalized, right? And it really wasn't until I started following folks like you, i the hashtag debt-free community on Instagram, that I started to really question what were some of these money habits that I had and, and were they really things that I wanted to continue kind of being a part of my adult life. So all in all, when I first started my debt journey, I had about $11,000 in student loan debt and, yeah, about fourteen to fifteen thousand dollars in credit card debt and consumer debt like personal loans,
0: you know, I can totally relate to that. I had sixty three k of student loan debt, which is like, gosh, when I first started, I wasn't even making sixty three k. And I similarly to you, like I took out extra money just to cushion because I didn't really have a good paying job at the time. And I said all the things that you said, and I took out more money than I needed. Just, I went to Disney <laughs> with what are some of the money, like just frivolous things. So I can totally relate. So did you have a wake up call or something that really said to you like, listen, I need to get started on paying down this debt. This is not sustainable. Or was it just like a gradual realization that you wanted to start this debt payoff journey?
1: No, I definitely had a wake-up call. I hit rock bottom in the fall of 2017, 2018. I think it was 2018. Yeah, in the fall of 2018 is where I really hit a rock bottom moment. I had had, I guess before the term was coined, a hot girl summer in summer 2018 where I racked up over $10,000 of credit card debt in a single summer. So by September, my credit card balances were looking at me and I was looking back at them and I was just like, there's no way I can afford this. And all of that debt was on charge cards. It was on American Express cards that were due in full. And I never felt the amount of panic that I'd felt in that moment, just knowing like, at that point, I didn't even have $10,000 in savings. So it was just like, where is this money going to come from? Just feeling like there weren't really many people in my family or in my close circle that I felt I could go to and kind of ask for that that amount of money just as a, hey, can you help me out? No. In that moment, I felt a lot of anxiety. I found a lot of fear. And I felt a lot of shame around the fact that, wow, I did this to myself. There's really no one to blame besides myself for, again, spending more, living beyond my means, and really just not thinking about the consequences until now, here I am with a $10,000 credit card bill due. So in that moment, I'm thankful that I did have an option, which was taking out a personal loan so I took out a personal loan for $10,000 and that really started my debt payoff journey because at that point my monthly payment was about $500 just to stay current and not default on that personal loan. And that was really the wake-up call for me realizing that, wow, before I probably wasn't really managing responsibly, but now the fact that I have this like huge minimum payment that I have to take care of every month I think really illuminated for me, this was not the lifestyle that I wanted. I was only 22 years old at the time. So I really felt like, wow, this is a wake-up call for me to say, is this how I want to spend the rest of my 20s? Do I want to struggle financially throughout adult life? And my answer was no. So that was what really kind of started me to say, I have a spending problem and I probably need to work with a professional to help me figure out the mess that I'm in so that I can be in a place where I feel more financially sound.
0: Yes. And what do you think was the mindset that you had, which perpetuated spending and also perhaps maybe not even keeping track of your spending? Because I know now you have a budget, you stick to your budget. So what was that like? And also, did you have any anxiety around money or did you have any like negative feelings? I know you mentioned scarcity mindset. So I would love to unpack why do you think that all these things created this situation that you ended up realizing in 2018. You're like, okay, I need to really fix this.
1: When I think about my past money mindset, I think that I had really internalized a lot of the things that I saw growing up. I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. And I think just the spaces that I've been in, I think conversations within my family, within my community, there really wasn't a sense of frugality that I feel like I grew up understanding. That's not to say that there weren't frugal people in my life. But I think in general, you know, I think it was totally normal to imagine a lifestyle where you live beyond your means, whether that was having a mortgage that you really couldn't afford, having car notes you really couldn't afford, living off of credit card debt to be able to furnish or just keep up with the lifestyle that you wanted. And the scarcity mindset part really set in when I was in college, right? When I was in college, I was probably the textbook definition of a broke college student. Like I had work-study, but I also worked two other jobs. It was a point in my life where my parents really couldn't financially support me. And here I was in New York City trying to figure out, well, how do I also like balance the number of meal swipes I have with the fact that I want to go out and enjoy the city? It was a really financially stressful time in my life. And a time where most people are are thinking about the fun that they're having, parties, whatever. I feel like I was thinking about how am I going to make enough money to be able to do the things that I want to do in college? How am I going to find paid internships so that I can have some money for the summer, right? That was kind of like the cycle that I was in. So if you compound the scarcity mindset where I was just on survival mode for four years in college against this background of, what's the big deal? in just kind of spending more than you really have. I think that created a dangerous combination. When I did start making money in my first job, my first salary job was the most money I'd ever touched before. So I think that those things together compounded in a way, I think for the first time, I felt like, well, I deserve these things, right? I have money. I have very little obligations. I don't have kids. At that point, my debt was really just my student loan balances and, how many of us really think seriously about our student loan balances back there? Especially at that point, right? It was about maybe like twelve or $14,000 that I had. So it was just kind of like, yeah, I'll get to it. So I think that that really created a potentially dangerous combination where I just, I don't know. I think I just got really caught up in the lifestyle of living the New York City lifestyle, brunching, Ubering, going out with friends, feeling like, wow, I'm finally independent. I'm my own person. I can make the decisions for myself. And opening up credit cards really for the first time. And I think not really understanding how to manage that responsibly turned into what felt like a hamster wheel. Where I vividly remember times in those days where I would like get paid, like, yeah, I got paid. And then it seemed like all of my take home pay was going to pay back credit card balances that I owed from the previous month. So I was definitely living paycheck to paycheck. I was definitely not building wealth. That wasn't even something that was on my radar. So my money mindset was definitely full of anxiety around, okay, let me just make sure that I'm getting paid enough to pay back those balances and never really have anything to show for the money that I was making at that point.
0: And all the hard work, right? All the hours you put in at the J-O-B. Oh my gosh. I can relate because I also went to college in New York City and I'm originally from the Bronx and I moved to the suburbs and I went to college in the city. And it's hard. Like, it's hard because you're in such a big city. There's things happening all the time. And you want to have a life, you want to do good in school, but you also want to hang out. So I totally, totally can definitely understand and relate to that. And thank you so much for just sharing more of your mindset at the time. So what has been the strategies that helped you to pay off the $23,000 of debt and how long did it take you to do all of this?
1: Yeah. So when it comes to my debt payoff (laughs) journey, I really feel like I used as many strategies as I could to make my goal a reality. My debt payoff journey really kind of started even before that official sprint to 12 months in 2020. I would say that, again, right, my debt payoff journey really felt like it started back in 2018, where I first kind of started acknowledging that, hey, I have a problem. I need professional help. One of my mutual friends ended up connecting me with a financial coach. And that was the first time I actually sat down with someone and really thought about, like, what are my financial goals? Like, What are the dreams and aspirations that I have for myself financially? And what's holding me back from that? And it was clear to me that my debt and my just overspending and not really keeping track of my money was holding me back from the things that I wanted, right? In those days, I didn't really know about FIRE, financial independence, retire early, but I knew that I had this vision for myself that didn't involve me working to survive, definitely included me traveling more. So in early 2019, when I started working with my financial coach, that was the first time I'd ever really managed a budget. And it was definitely a lot of trial and error Definitely, I feel like I had to unlearn some of the poor money management habits that I had picked up along the way. And at the same time, I also had to work on my mental health and self esteem along the way, right? So I started going to therapy, I started working with a life coach. Some of the reasons why I was overspending was to fill what felt like an emotional void that I wasn't really acknowledging, right? That often we can use retail therapy or just not having that control in our finances can also be a reflection of other areas of our life, maybe that being emotional or mental that are also off wax. I think folks kind of see my debt payoff journey and think, wow, that's amazing, you did it so quickly. Not acknowledging that I was doing a lot of work in silence, behind the scenes. I wasn't public with it really since the end of 2018 before I got to a point at the end of 2019 where I felt, okay, I've been working with a financial coach for, nine months, I feel like I could stretch myself. I was kind of looking at my debt and feeling like, okay, based on the income that I have, if I really tried hard and you know, I'd been following a lot of people in the debt-free community and and absorbing a lot of the tactics that they were sharing, I feel like I could become debt-free. By now, I learned about FIRE. It literally lit a fire under me to say, wow, oh my gosh, I think I am probably primed to be in a position to really take advantage of some of these things that I'm learning, if I just squash my debt, I can really accelerate my wealth building journey. So all of those things were kind of like on my mind and that was why I wanted to become debt-free. It was really a way of me saying, okay, if I get rid of this really big obstacle or what's felt like a really big obstacle for me, right? Because I've always been in debt since I really started my adult life. I'll have so much more room in my budget to be able to build well, travel more, and just have some of the freedom and flexibility that I was yearning for. So yeah, January 15, 2020, I sat down and added up all of my balances. I had $23,022 of debt across student loans, credit card, and personal loans, and was able to become debt-free in 12 months. But really a mix of things. I think the first thing is, one, a caveat. I was a high earner. I'm still a high earner. And I think that that's important to acknowledge, right? Because I am part of probably that really small population of people who was able to pay off a lot of debt in a short amount of time. And I definitely attribute that to being a high earner with no kids and very few obligations outside of my debt. So that allowed me to put up bulk of my take-home pay towards my debt payoff. So that's the first caveat. The second thing that I did was I actually increased my income. I think often as women of color, as black women, we are not always encouraged to think about this as a strategy to get our finances in order. But that was something that I felt like I needed to do, right? If you, you know, do the quick math, $23,000 in a year is about $2,200 a month that you're paying towards debt. So I knew that it would be a lot easier for me to <laughs> reach that goal if I was bringing in a larger salary. So. I started networking and and was thankful enough to land a higher paying job in Q1 of 2020. That helped me increase my salary by $30,000. And instead of increasing my lifestyle, granted, we were literally at the beginning of the pandemic. So there were a lot of things that just were not possible. Instead of letting lifestyle creep take over, I, again, put the bulk of that money towards my debt. Something else that I started doing was really getting intentional about where my money was going following a zero-based budget. So when I would get paid or anytime I would get money, I would make sure that I was assigning a job to every dollar. So the bulk of my money was going to debt at that time, but I wanted to make sure that I was also taking care of my bills and any other obligations so that I didn't fall behind in those other areas. And what really allowed me to do this was what I now call the glorious gap. Ah. So, you know, that gap between my income and my expenses was really where I was able to see that I had room in my budget right now that I could be using towards paying off my debt towards giving myself a savings cushion and even saving in my travel fund. Because yes, I did travel during those 12 months of paying off my debt. I ended up spending two weeks in Mexico. I went to the Dominican Republic. So it definitely was possible for me to do that. And that was really possible because I was able to see finally for the first time, hey, if I knew where my money was going, I could actually direct it towards the goals that I actually had instead of just feeling like, oh my gosh, I constantly need more money. I'm spending privilegedly because I don't know where my money is going. So if you're listening and you feel similarly around wanting to understand what money do you have right now that could be helping you get towards debt freedom towards traveling more. Now that we're outside, outside, definitely check out my free workbook. And that's at the link in my bio. Another big thing that I did that I think really helped me also was sending windfall money to my debt. So for anyone that doesn't know what that term means, it essentially means anytime I was getting money that was unexpected, whether it was like a tax refund, it was my birthday, a stimulus check or random check that just came from my previous employer, I pretty much fucked the bulk of that towards my debt. So that was definitely the first time in my life where I was really delaying instant gratification to realize the goals that I had for myself. And I do want to say, even though, yes, I definitely was able to pay off $23,000 in 12 months. I wasn't perfect. There were definitely some months where I came in a little under, there were some months where I came in over, right? But I think for me, it was important for me to develop consistency. I had this big goal I put it out there for the world to see. And it wasn't necessarily that I was perfect every time, right? There were definitely times when I slipped up. I mean, we were surviving a pandemic. There were a lot of things that were going on. But for me, it was important that I was just consistent, that every month I was showing up for myself. Every month I was sharing my progress. And through that, that accountability allowed me to stay consistent month over month. So I would say that those are kind of like the main things, Daniel, that helped me.
0: Those are great strategies. All that I used minus the salary increase, because I didn't do that. (laughs) You really painted a holistic picture. You went to therapy. You hired a coach, several coaches to help you with the mindset and the inner works. You went after controlling your spending and budgeting And you also went after earning more money. So I feel like that's like the triple threat right there. Like you did a very great, well-rounded job in making sure that you tackled all the areas. And also I love that you were honest and said, listen, I also slipped up. Sometimes I went under, sometimes I went over. And I love that you ended off saying, you know what? What was important is that I was consistent and I showed up for myself. Because at the end of the day, who's gonna ultimately benefit from all of this? You right? So I loved every single thing that you said. And while you were talking, one of the things that I would see a lot when it comes to paying off debt is, well, you should only be focusing on debt and not traveling. And I'm so anti-that, and I know you are as well. <laughs> I was like, no, I want to be the and like I want to work hard to pay off and crush this debt and travel. So I would love to hear your perspective. Like why was travel one of the things that you were not willing to give up? And did you see in the personal finance space, people telling you that maybe you should give up travel to pursue your goals?
1: Travel was just such a non-negotiable for me. Travel, I feel like is life. Like I cannot imagine my life without traveling. And it doesn't always look like hopping on a plane, but just having the room in my budget to just explore, right? To just like, Bring more adventure and curiosity into my life. That's like what I see travel unlocking for me. So I knew that I would be miserable if I just tried to go cold turkey and not travel right. I'm someone who travels often. I'm not someone who takes a yearly vacation. I'm traveling like once a month at this point. So, coupling that with quarantine restrictions because of the pandemic, I knew that I had to continue to prioritize travel and my money really, as I had been, even when I started working with my financial coach, right, that was something that was front and center for us. So when I started paying off my debt, I didn't really see it as something that would need to change. I had already started saving in a travel fund before I paid off my debt. And, you know, a travel fund is just essentially, it's a separate account that I created for my travel expenditures so that I wasn't Old me, younger me would be kind of like pulling travel money from my bill money from everywhere, right? Because all my money was going into one account and I didn't know where it was going. Having that travel fund really allowed me to say, okay, if I'm going to XYZ place in five months, let me put aside 50 or 100 bucks a month so that I can have that money by the time my trip comes around and not feel guilty, anxious, or afraid of how I'm going to pay for that vacation. So, you know, when I started my debt payoff journey, there were not necessarily people speaking directly to me saying, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. But there definitely is a narrative, a very strong narrative in the personal finance community that, you know, is, I guess, ushered in by a certain financial guru, who shall not be named, who, you know, kind of gives advice to their followers that debt payoff should be your only and number one priority. And I agree with you. It's just not something that I could see myself doing, right? When so many things were so uncertain, I think for me having travel in the back of my mind, right, not necessarily saying that I was, I wasn't really sure when I would be able to travel, but I think for me, even just putting aside that money, knowing that at some future date, I'm going to be able to travel and it's not going to put me into debt, I think gave me a lot of motivation and it helped me stay consistent. It helped me stay motivated to say, if and when we are able to travel and I am debt free, wow, that's going to be such an amazing feeling to be able to celebrate. And you know, I'm so glad that I did because actually while I was in Mexico, I was in Tulum, Mexico at the end of 2020, I actually became student loan debt free during that vacation and that was such a great feeling to like make that final payment and be in paradise. So travel is definitely non-negotiable for me and I think even now that I'm not necessarily thinking about just paying off debt. I'm thinking about building wealth. It continues to be something that I prioritize and that I want to continue kind of flexing the muscle to be a traveler who also knows how to find ways to make travel affordable and fit within my lifestyle.
0: That's the key lifestyle. A lot of people are like, I travel a couple times a year on vacation. And for me, I think what the switch that I turned on and I realized is that travel is part of my lifestyle. It is embedded in the fabric of who I am. And it is also part of my budget every single month. So I am unapologetic about the trips that I take and will take in the future because I did the work, right? Like I've been doing the work. This is not like a willy nilly thing. This is something that has been planned. And also when you put money away for travel, you are making sacrifices. You're taking the money that you could have been using on something else and you're earmarking it for this one particular thing. So yeah, I'm totally with you on board with that. I'm super like unapologetic by life about that. Amen. Right. And then I also love that you mentioned that you will hear gurus out there. And some folks may even look to us as gurus as well. But it's about customizing your plan. Right. Like people can tell you to do this or do that or what has worked for them. But at the end of the day, you have to sit with it and say, you know what? when I look at a plan, I can make this customizable and make it for me based off of my values. So if travel is a value that I do not want to give up, how can I find and carve out the time and space in my budget and my finances to make this happen? So thank you so much for that recap. I love this episode. I'm so happy. Like, I feel like we're kindred sisters here because it's like everything you talk about is like everything that I lived, have lived, am living. And it's just such a refreshing take on personal finance. So thank you so, so, so much. Now, before we wrap up, I would love to hear from you. What does being a financially savvy traveler mean to you? Yes. Yeah, so,
1: you know, I love this term and I love that this is something that you really share with the world via your brand. You know, when I think about being a financially savvy traveler, I think about the decisions that I'm making that allow me to travel without it being a financial burden to me. That was really the reason why I started finance because so many people were asking me, how do I afford to travel? And at the same time, Me wanting to have more candid conversations with folks around building wealth, especially for people that look like us. So when I think about being a financially savvy traveler, I think about what are the things that I can learn and that I can do right now that are going to allow my dollars when they go to travel to stretch as far as they possibly can. So I think we talked about one of those ways, which is having a travel fund. You know, I think another way that I absolutely love and I will shout from the rooftops for as many women, women of color, and especially black women to also get on board with is travel hacking, right? I am someone who is a recovering overspender. I am someone who had five figures of credit card debt. And yet I still am at a point now where now that I know how to use credit responsibly, I absolutely use credit cards and travel reward credit cards to offset the cost of my travel. I see that as me being a financially savvy traveler. And when I think of it this way, right, in terms of the travel industry benefits and capitalizes off of the fact of, especially those of us who are in marginalized communities, not always being aware or not always being as informed in terms of how the industry works, right? So when I think about being a financially savvy traveler, I also think about what are the things that allow me to understand better how the travel industry works and use that information to my advantage, right? So that when things happen, now that things are kind of coming back to normal, when there are moments where it seems like, "Mm, maybe there is some added benefit that's being left on the table, I can advocate for myself. I think a great example of that is like in 2020, where so many of us had probably travel plans that were canceled or just didn't happen. That was a time where a lot of people were taking travel credits and just kind of like accepting. Oh, well, Delta, all these airlines are saying we can only have these e-vouchers. No, I was using that time to really advocate for myself to say, no, XYZ airline. I know what the Department of Transportation says is the contract of carriage, right? And I need my full refund. This flight did not happen. It's not my fault that it didn't happen. So therefore I need a full cash refund. So that was a great moment where. Again, that allowed me to be financially savvy. The money that I would have just kind of been handcuffed by these airlines in the form of their digital vouchers came back to me in the form of cash that I could use to put towards my dad, put back into my travel fund or whatever else that I needed. All of those things I think have helped me be a more financially savvy traveler. And it's something that I try to give back to others. I actually have an affordable travel course where I've pulled together all of the things that have allowed me to Travel to what 15 countries in the last five years on a budget, right? Because we've talked about my journey. I have not always had a lot of money. Uh, there were definitely during that time I was in debt. I was kind of figuring out my money, and still was able to make some great travel memories happen. So if you are listening and and want to learn more about some of those strategies that we've kind of already talked about in depth, definitely check out my course. Again, it is at the link in my bio on Instagram at fly.nance. And I would love to help you with flying financially free. So that's definitely what financially savvy travel looks like for me.
0: I love it. And it brings it home. Again, preaching to the choir, because everything you said is like that informed decision. Like when you are an informed person, you cannot get stomped over. You cannot get trampled over. You're going to know what's in it for you. And you're going to come with that energy, which I love, 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 love. So financially savvy travelers, if you loved this conversation, I will have the link in the show notes to Suneer's course called Fly Financially Free. And here's what you can expect when you take the course. There are three self-paced videos, Number one, how to effortlessly save on flights, stays and more. Number two, creative solutions to the most common hurdles to travel like money, travel buddies and time off. And last but certainly not least is how to travel for free with travel hacking. There's resources, resource lists, templates, codes and over $700 in savings and bonuses. So I will have the link to that course and all of Sania's other resources in the show notes. Sania, please let us know how we can best connect with you after this conversation.
1: Yes, absolutely. Let's connect on Instagram. I am at fly.nance, F-L-Y dot N-A-N-C-E-D. That's probably like my main account where I'm doing a lot of chatting. I'm also, Danielle knows this, but active on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, I'm at flynance, one word and let's connect. Shoot me a DM if you heard me on the thought card podcast and let's work together to help you be a more informed traveler and wealth builder.
0: Yes. I love, love, love this. Now, Listen up, Financial Savvy Travelers. As with all of our interviews with all of our special guests, we have an extended interview with Sania coming up when you join the Thought Card Club. And we're going to be talking about how to best prepare to take advantage of geo arbitrage. Now, Sania kind of mentioned it in the episode, but she's actually living right now in Tulum, Mexico. And she's using geo arbitrage as a way to build wealth, live in a foreign country, live her best life because I see you on Instagram. (laughs) You look like you're having a fantastic time in Mexico. So we're going to learn all about how to best prepare for that and what it's like relocating in another country. So make sure you head over to the show notes to join the Thought Card Club. And that is all for now. So I'll see you guys in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode but don't forget there's way more where that came from when you become a supporter of the show you'll get bonus episodes additional tips on affording travel real-time updates as well as strategies for building wealth and creating multiple income streams head over to thoughtcard.com forward slash join to support also be sure to follow me on instagram i'm at the danielle desire slide in my DMs and share with me your thoughts about this episode. What did you enjoy? What stood out to you? Let me know. I'd absolutely love to connect with you outside of the podcast. See you in the next one.